Hello and welcome to the Patriots Pulpit Podcast. I'm Matt St. Jean here, joined with uh, Barrett Hodgson, who obviously you guys all know and love. And we got Sean Syed here. He uh, he covers the Vikings. On for a little bit of Vikings perspective on this. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. You know, I'm always happy to be on a podcast that has such strong alliteration, you know, so we can <laughs> we can really have a good one going into a fun Thanksgiving showdown. Yeah, this is the the quick week here, the quick turnaround, which makes it a little bit harder to do the podcasting part of it. I'm sure it's also going to throw a wrench in the game planning for both of these teams this week. And both of these teams are going to have to make some adjustments as we move forward to Thursday. Starting offensive linemen are out for both teams. David Andrews is hurt for the Patriots. And Christian Darosaw is out for the Vikings, I do believe. Sean, I'm going to let you jump in first here. Can you, can you talk about what's going on with that Vikings line? Yeah, so Darisaw is definitely going to be out this Thursday. I think they already said that. Uh, he got he had a concussion previously and then got banged up during the game. And so, obviously, in the concussion protocol time-wise, they're going to take their time. But I think Kevin O'Connell has been pretty good with people that have been in the protocol and being conservative and, I think, putting health forward on that. And it means so much. I mean, Darisaw has been really amazing in his uh, like starting as a left tackle. And I think a surprise to me personally, and just happy to see it, but I know that Matt Judon is just drooling hearing that and knowing that they're going to get their backup left tackle over there. Uh, and I know that Bill's got a big circle on that left tackle spot as well. Yeah, so who is it that's going to be stepping in there? Uh, so he played, he played like about, I think I want to say he played... He played a good amount of the snaps. Blake Brandell is the name. Um, I mean, he was he was okay, and you know, he showed up against Buffalo as well. But it's not going to be like Darisaw, right? I think Darisaw is playing like a real top-end tackle right now. So, yeah, it's going to be a difference. Yeah, never, never good to lose your blindside tackle. Um, the, the Patriots do kind of lose their blindside tackle as well here in Isaiah Wynn. I don't know if we have an do we have an injury update on what's going on there? I know after the game, there was speculation he's going to miss time. David Andrews also should be missing time. Maybe coming back now? We don't know. Yeah, I mean, they said Isaiah Wynn's expected to miss, so he's definitely probably out on Thursday night. Uh, he got the start at left tackle this most recent week over Trent Brown. Some people say that Trent Brown was dealing with an illness, and that had to do with it. Uh, but we should see Brown at left tackle on Thursday night. I think we'll see Strange still at left guard. Uh, and James Ferentz, uh, who filled in when David Andrews was concussed, is likely to be the center. Obviously, they signed Cody Russi from the practice squad up to the active roster this most recent week. Kind of interesting that they did that right before Andrews got a big injury. Uh, on when who's going to be right at right guard. He's been our most consistent lineman all year. And then that right tackle spot, that's honestly a question too, is Yanni Kajus did not have a good game on on Sunday um, so the Patriots offensive line has some serious problems with two big injuries and some possible rotations coming yeah well I, I don't even know what the next rotation would be I mean right now Marcus Cannon is on injured reserve if Isaiah wins out they, they traded away Haran who would he, I, I think they just signed a guy a converted tight end to the practice squad is that going to be their next guy up at tackle he's probably going to be elevated to a roster for sure for this game. So most likely, um, or they could go the route with on when is the emergency tackle. uh, And then they run Russi at 
where they move Ferenc to guard and put Rossi at center. There's a couple different combinations that they could do there. Um, but hopefully everyone stays healthy on this Thursday night. There's going to be some, some major problems. It feels like everybody should be taking the over on sacks this week for this game. Like that's, that's where we're headed uh, in this one. Uh, I know there were, uh, there were quite a few sacks last week for the Vikings. Uh, Sean, what happened? 40 to three loss to the Cowboys. Yeah. I, you know, I go back and forth in my head, right? When you see like a rail, rail blowout in the NFL, which is pretty rare. Is it just like something where you're, you say, now let's just throw it away. Uh, and you'd like to throw away 40 to three, but I think there are a lot of takeaways from the Cowboys just real beat down of the Vikings. I think apply to next week and going forward. Uh, and I think it's good that we got to see it on national TV in a big spot. Just so, you know, I think it, kind of quells the oh are the vikings super super real like i think a lot of the teams there's like very very few teams in the nfl that are great so we don't need to be stressing about winning the super bowl or anything but just as a ma- on a matchup level you know the cowboys defensive line is really really good right there's no questions about that and i think that's something that the patriots can can really take advantage of as well when the vikings offensive line is a little banged up i think they may have some issues just passing off kind of stunts or games inside but you can't really get your offense going if you have like a 60% pressure rate, which I think in the Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl uh, against the Bucks was like a 40% pressure rate. So just constantly pressure, can't get anything going. And then on the opposite end, you know, the Vikings, my favorite player on the Vikings, Dalvin Tomlinson, has been injured. He, I'm not sure if he's coming back this week, but the Cowboys were really able to take advantage of kind of a softer interior where how many times all day are you going to be able to win double team blocks and keep your linebackers free? But then also the Cowboys did a good job in taking advantage. The Vikings are on like their third starting cornerback opposite Patrick Peterson. So we're able to take advantage of that as well. So kind of a perfect confluence of events for the Cowboys to just totally beat them down. But again, really highlighted issues on the interior of the defensive line, on the back end towards one side on defense, and then on the um, interior on the offensive line as well against pressure where, I mean, we saw it in the Patriots Jets game, right? Like you can't, if you're pressured constantly, bad things are going to happen. I think especially with Kirk Cousins, who I like as a player, just, you know, broke his touchdown, like crazy long touchdown streak. And sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way and it really didn't bounce uh, the Vikings way against the Cowboys. No, not at all. These two teams, I'm realizing now, the Patriots and the Vikings combined to be sacked 13 times for nearly 100 yards combined lost on Sunday. Um, So that... It's never a good sign. I mean, we, we might be taking the over on sacks, the under on points, uh, depending on how things look. These offenses combined for six points on Sunday. This is short week. This it looks like we're headed for a messy one Thanksgiving night. Yeah, it definitely could be that way. I mean, it's, it with the offensive lines in the state that they're in, along with the offensive struggles for the Patriots, for sure, I do think – uh, the Patriots' defense opposes some issues for the Vikings' offense, so we could definitely be seeing an under here. Uh, and I think a big key in this game is going to be what do they do to stop Justin Jefferson? We saw the constant pressure was a big factor into why he had a quiet game against the Vikings, but they also had Trayvon Diggs on him. He had his moments and whatnot. So do the Patriots opt to go with a double team? Do they just stick Jonathan Jones on him one-on-one? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they manage that Justin Jefferson situation. Yeah, he might. He's not the best receiver in football, but he is up there. I think I think this is a really good test for the Patriots, too, with a Bills matchup the week after. You want to find out if you have a corner this year who can cover Stephon Diggs. 
you're going to get an idea this week with um, both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to a degree too. I mean, those are two very good route runners and it's going to put a test. I think Jonathan Jones can handle one of them to a reasonable degree, but can Jack Jones and Jalen Mills help out, help out with the second one too. I think that's going to be a huge factor here. I think even also TJ Hawkinson, I think is a really big deal for the Vikings. I think Hawkinson is playing the Patriots for the second time this year, uh, which is such an interesting thing that you see a, a, a player get traded across and still play against the same team. And I think that Duggar was on him for a good amount of that first matchup when he was on the Lions. But my personal concern on defense would be Hawkinson more than Thielen because I think they, the Vikings have deployed Hawkinson in interesting ways where it seems like he's really kind of the second read on most of these plays or he's really a, a target, especially against man coverage, where if Justin Jefferson is kind of getting extra bodies over there, for example, versus the Cowboys, they kind of just got into bunch. Hawkinson was on the inside and running that kind of you just kind of create traffic and have them on a wheel. And so what what are your man beaters is going to be really interesting for the Vikings. You know, how is if Jefferson is does have kind of four eyes on him or multiple people looking at him on most plays. I think Hawkinson is someone who the Patriots have seen before. So I, I think Belichick respects him and will have a plan for it. But someone that it's been real fun to watch Hawkinson kind of continue to mesh with the Vikings offense. Yeah. Duggar, I think, mostly shut him down. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Hawkinson only had one catch in that Detroit game. And uh, Duggar has been a tight end eraser this year. I don't think it's a surprise that in two of the defense's really bad performances, well, games against Baltimore and Green Bay, Duggar was not out there. When he's been out there, the defense has been a very, very different unit. And that's, I think that's going to be interesting now for the Vikings is if, if Hawkinson gets taken away, I mean, I think the path to victory for the Vikings is probably going to be to win on the ground if the Patriots secondary is able to hold up like it like it has been. Uh, just no Barmore on the inside now for the Patriots. He's on IR, and the way they're going to hold up against uh, Cook back there in that running game is oh, makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Dalvin Cook is a lot better player than either Michael Carter or James Robinson, but the Patriots did a really good job shutting down the run on Sunday against the Jets. And the Jets, their offensive line was mostly healthy. And like we talked about already, the Vikings is poses some questions. So I think if they can slow down Cook, that's going to cause Kirk Cousins to throw the ball. And we could see him make some mistakes with the pressure getting after him with Judon, Dietrich Wise, guys like that getting in his face. Um, but I agree. I think the key to the Vikings is at least establishing the running game. Maybe not having a massive day on the ground, but establishing it is going to be really important to open up plays downfield for their playmakers. Yeah, I know. I mean, you guys ran for almost 200 against Arizona, around 150 at Buffalo. What was it that makes that Vikings run game so special outside of having Cook back there? So I think that the the running game in general, they're really heavily based in zone schemes, right? You, you're not going to see a lot of power. You're not going to see a lot of counter from them. And it's hard to answer it, what's so special outside Dalvin Cook, because really it is Dalvin Cook in a lot of ways. Certainly they do a good job scheming. I think their big play against the Buffalo Bills, Justin Jefferson had a really nice block. But, you know, t to me just watching it, and I think I'd be fine if people disagreed with it, I don't think, like, they don't have a super substantial run game. I think the defenses have continued to evolve to deal with zone run schemes, right? Like that's kind of what everyone thinks is so popular. So the defensive bodies are used to kind of stopping that. And so I always hate watching Vikings offense when they are just burning first down. And it feels like sometimes they burn second down on kind of a two yard run. It seems like your, your guys Patriots do that 
every once in a while <laughs> as well. Because as you said, right, if you get stuck in those third down situations where, look, I respect all the players on the Vikings offensive line, but I think the defense knows where they can attack it. And so to be able to get pressure and just kind of get that out, it doesn't matter what your run game looks like when you're, well, obviously when you're down by 37 points to the Cowboys, but I think that I would like to see the, the run game obviously be used efficiently. But what I really want to see is how can you kind of get into heavier personnel, keep the Patriots in their kind of one high looks, which of course they love and really play action off of that. So don't love the Vikings run game. I think Dalvin Cook does really still have a lot of juice left, which has been really, really cool to see. But a lot of it's been, you know, like cut, small cut, small cut, small cuts, and then kind of the damn bursts uh, towards the end where same versus the Dolphins and then versus the Bills as well. I feel like that's what the zone offense is kind of built for too, is just to chip away until you do eventually get that big play. I didn't know. It's funny that in the Vikings, the wins, uh, you've had a couple of really good running performances. There's also been some really bad ones in there. So yeah, it's a, it, it's been a, a mixed, a mixed bag for sure. Uh, the passing offense is the, the bread and butter there. And it's, so I feel like this game in a lot of ways is going to come down to if you can cover Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and if you can get to the, the passer fast enough to not let those guys get open. Yeah, and I think a key in that would be bringing some different kind of looks that maybe would surprise the Vikings, uh, maybe send your linebackers in different gaps throughout the game. But I think it's pretty predictable that Judon's going to take that left tackle. I think that's probably where he's <laughs> going to be lined up all game. Uh, and the thing that comes off of that is what are they going to run for other stunts to get after Kirk Cousins? Because don't get me wrong, Kirk, Zach Wilson is a lot different than Kirk Cousins. Um, but Kirk is still – he could still make mistakes. And we've seen that on some primetime games under the big lights. And I know the Cowboys wasn't a primetime game, but that was a big game. Everyone was watching that game. Tony Romo was on the call. They labeled it as the game game of the week for CBS. And that, that game being on CBS threw me for a loop. Yeah, it really did. And I think you could force him to make some mistakes. And I think that's going to be because they bring different looks that we might not have seen so far this season. And this is the, the last time the Patriots and Vikings played was back in 2018. That was in Foxborough. And Kirk Cousins threw the ball 44 times, only had 201 yards. And what touchdown to two picks got sacked twice. So he did not have a very good day. And that was with uh, Stefan Diggs instead of Justin Jefferson. They had Adam Thielen back then, too. And is this a, I mean, I don't know how much you know about this, Sean. Is this a similar offense to what the Vikings were running going back that far? Or. Well, I would think about a little differently just because I think Kevin O'Connell is a little bit more directly in that kind of Sean McVay tree and plays with a little bit lighter personnel. So I, I can tell you that the Vikings do not want to throw the ball 44 times on Thursday. I can absolutely guarantee that. Uh, I do think O'Connell likes to kind of establish that run, but we see less of a fullback than, for example, I think um, like CJ Ham is a great player, but he's not kind of running all the snaps. And they do a good job of, of I think, designing their offense in a way that obviously, you know, emphasizes their best players. I can't speak exactly to what they were doing in 2018, but like this is a Justin Jefferson offense, right? And I think a lot of things fall off of that in terms of, well, how is the defense responding to Jefferson? Is it getting rolled coverage? Like the Eagles, I think, played a few times, but man, I just, I just cannot stop thinking about what 
like pressure does to an offense, right? Like every single thing that you drop on a, on a chalkboard, it just can fall so quickly if you have interior pressure. And I think that, uh, Barrett, I'm glad that you mentioned the different stunts that the Patriots, they love doing it, right? You see Vrabel do it too with the Titans. Anything where kind of Judon lined up on that outside looping in kind of over two guys, especially when you have that kind of five down front look, it's been a little bit of a struggle for the Vikings to kind of pass off those pressures and to do something. So the offense, I think it's, it's looks more like Ramsey ish, right? Like kind of how LA looked last year, but it's just it, anything can fall apart, right? Any offense that you have would fall apart with kind of that much pressure. But again, let's have less than 44 thrown passes, hopefully more than 200 yards, of course. Uh, and I think a lot of it will, will come down to kind of what's, what's Bill Belichick's plan for Justin Jefferson, you know, is it something where it's kind of one double or roll kind of extra people over there? And I don't know, can the Vikings take advantage of that early where we get into our play action game and kind of have those passes? Or is it just going to be another long day uh, for all the Minnesota fans? Yeah, you don't have to tell Patriots fans twice what pressure can do for an offense after the past three weeks. I, what is it? I think 16 sacks now in the last three games for the Patriots, which is totally unsustainable. Um I think this is where we can kind of switch over to the Patriots offense, the way it's going to match up against that Vikings defense. How good are the Vikings at generating pressure? So the Vikings are special, I think, at generating pressure. And we always talk about, right, schemes, but players make plays, right? So they have Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, and they do a good job of having Zadarius Smith move them around the line. So offensive line, I think it's really a weak link system, right? Instead of having one great player and one kind of bad player, uh, if you have five really solid links to your line, that's going to be really helpful. But if you have a weak spot, you know, obviously the Patriots have a recent injury. The Vikings are going to highlight that, right? I think Smith is interesting in that he he likes, I think, to rush over the middle. Uh, and they do a real good job of getting him in their, like, spinner package or where he's just lined up in different spots. And Daniil Hunter, he's just, he's just, like, an interesting player to watch. I think Patriots fans, you guys will have fun watching. He is a real unorthodox kind of pass rusher. But a lot of that stuff was able to happen because they were getting kind of interior push from, you know, specifically Harrison Phillips. But I think last game we had a little bit of struggle on that interior. So it's a good combination of having really, really good players and then a defensive coordinator in and Donatel, who is, I think, putting Zadarius Smith in really good positions. Of course, it's not going to matter if you're down by that much. And one way to get them out of that, those kind of pass rush situations is the way that the Cowboys just kind of ran the ball all over them. But as a pressure unit, you know, I really do like them. And when I think it, third and six plus is a, is a situation that the Vikings are going to kind of want to force the Patriots into constantly. Yeah. Bear, I know you, you weren't on for our post game show here. So I, I, we still haven't gotten to hear your opinion yet, but Mac obviously under a lot of pressure this Sunday. How do you think he handled it? I actually thought he was decent. I think it's a little contrary to a lot of other fans. Um, I don't like some of the sacks he took. I think that put us behind the chains more than once, specifically on those two missed field goals. They took a penalty and a sack and back-to-back plays twice, and they resulted in 40-plus yard field goals that Folk missed. Now, do I think the Vikings, yeah, I could see them getting pressure in uh, just rushing four. Obviously, they some special pass rushers with Smith and Hunter, uh, but can they do it as consistently as the Jets? I mean, the Jets just seemed every single play to be in Mac's face. And I thought he handled it pretty well uh, besides a couple of those sacks. And 
on those sacks, I just want to see him. He had a couple of them. He had Damian Harrison blocking with him and Jonah Smith in blocking with him. Why doesn't he just throw it at their feet? Why doesn't he just not take the sack? He has an eligible receiver right there. That's the only criticism I'd say I'd have based off of that. Obviously, I want to see them push the ball down the field a bit more. But if you don't have time to do that, then you can't. Yeah, it's. T- I mean, I think I saw this morning his average time to sack was under three seconds on those two, which is one of those where even even to get the ball out and chuck it at somebody's feet becomes difficult when things yeah. develop that quickly. I agree with you that I thought he played well. I think this might have been Max's best game all season, which is not that high of a bar, but improvement out of the bye, uh, something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he went, where did he go, 21 for 27? He hit 10 straight at one point. Um, he only, in, he, 23 of 27. He only had four incompletions all day. He managed He managed the game well. He didn't make any mistakes, um, which is what you don't want him to do, especially in a game like that when you're waiting for that Zach Wilson mistake and you never get it. Um, and he did his job, and I thought he, I thought he played well given the circumstances. Yeah, I, I'd agree there. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of discourse in New England right now about Mac Jones, and there has been for quite a long time. Sean, I'm interested in kind of the outsider perspective here. What, First of all, what's it like watching all of these conversations unfold? And second, I know you've gotten a little bit into some Patriots film. What have you thought about Mac Jones from what you've seen? So I always, I always almost like feel bad for really pretty much everyone except for kind of a few teams where it's really a quarterback question, right? Of, you know, do we lean in? Do we really kind of build our whole entire offense? Which I think that is the right answer for most teams, right? I like that the Dolphins have really built the entire ship kind of around Tua and obviously their weapons. And the Patriots-Vikings kind of comparison is interesting because I might do think Kirk Cousins is, is just better than Mac Jones, especially right now. But, you know, Kirk has his ups and downs, right? And it seems like Mac is making less mistakes, but... What I think is frustrating as a Vikings fan is the Patriots do not have the same weapons as the Vikings, right? They just don't, right? And I don't think that's an insult in that you guys don't have Justin Jefferson, right? That's okay. But you'd, you'd want to think that offense can... Yeah, you know what? I, I hope so too. But to have an offense that has Justin Jefferson then still kind of have our ups and downs where the issues seem to be similar sometimes as the Patriots, whether, you know, just finding a way to shoot yourself in the foot on first down right, in some sort of way, you can't get backed up into third down. So I would like to see, it seems like the Patriots are adding kind of things in every week, right? They had a lot of this like kind of full house stuff this week and finding ways maybe around what their personnel is. But I mean, the Vikings shouldn't feel crazy threatened by Mac Jones, but they are a defense who is fine with forcing someone to check down the ball over and over again in the hopes that, right, we get into those third and eight situations and just get a sack. So, you know, it may be another kind of check down Charlie game for Mac, and I think that's okay. But on on the Vikings defensive end, there are things that need to be cleaned up. Specifically, they have, you know, they're on a backup cornerback, a third-string cornerback. I don't think that the Patriots are going to look to attack that in the same way that the Cowboys were. But overall, as a defensive to offensive unit, I think the Vikings defense should feel good, right? They're not the best best unit in the league, but I think it maybe tells tells you more about kind of how the Patriots look on offense, whether sometimes it seems kind of like jumbled up where things are kind of maybe out of place or... I think the Vikings spent a lot of time marrying their run in the past game, right? They want things to really look similar. Whereas the Patriots, sometimes it looks like my kind of NCAA 2004 offense where you just pick kind of like a few different random things and kind of throw them all together. 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. It's it's funny you mentioned the first down thing because about like shooting yourself in the foot on first down because I feel like the Patriots have done that so much. I just I threw this into Ben Baldwin's website RBSDM because I was curious, and the Patriots and Vikings on offense have almost the exact same EPA per play on first down. Just they're almost identical. It's the, and the it's Patriots, so the Vikings, yeah. and the Commanders, and that's really not a great group. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just it just causes so many more issues for the rest of your drive, right? I think one of the big things is you know a first down penalty or first down sack, especially starting your drive, just lowers your kind of expected kind of touchdown rate so far. But to just kind of burn it down way too often is is specifically very frustrating, especially when I think you can manipulate the defense into heavier looks and. It seemed like the Patriots were doing a few more interesting things with play action. I know Kevin O'Connell loves to call play action, so I don't know. I'm, I I really don't want it to just be like a mess of a game on Thursday, but definitely have a concern that like, you know, I see the apple pie, like it's getting late and, you know, the, the eyes start to glaze over a little bit, but would, lo- would love to see, you know, Cousins and Mac Jones just light it up on Thursday, but not too sure about that one. No, it's, uh, hopefully that couch is not looking too comfy. When you when you're getting to the end of the third quarter, there. If this game is three three, like the Pats Jets game, then uh, we might not have any kind of post game coverage on this because we're all going to be. <laughs> I think that the Vikings, the the Patriots, like Bill Belichick has got to be smiling. Like, oh, we scored, we scored one touchdown on special teams. This is how we won the game. It was through the defense. The Vikings do not want to <laughs> play that game, right? They absolutely do not. I like that uh, kind of the Mac to Kirk. Not debate, but the difference. I think Kirk will throw 50-50 balls, which he should, obviously, when he has Justin Jefferson, right? But that makes it a little bit more volatile, right? And that sometimes you have those balls land and you're, you know, 8 for 10 on on third downs. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, sometimes those balls don't go your way. So it'll be interesting to see specifically with kind of how the Patriots want to just tighten up that coverage, force those kind of tight window throws. And the Vikings, again, they're fine letting you check the ball down. I think that it, it the Patriots have really good running backs kind of in space. So that's or out of the backfield at least. So that'll be fun to see. Uh, I know the Vikings ran a lot, around a lot on Sunday. So hopefully they get that rest and recovery quick before chasing those guys around on Thursday. Yeah, they're going to need that. It's it's funny you mentioned the 50-50 balls because I think Barrett, I think we had talked about this after one of the Bailey Zappi games, that how it, it seemed like when Bailey Zappi threw the 50-50 balls, the guys were catching it. And Mac does the same thing. And just outside of Jacoby Myers, nobody's making that play. Yeah, that seems exactly like what happened. Especially, it was that Bears game where Parker went up and got one on that second drive uh, that yeah. Zappy had, uh, and then some other times Parker tips the ball and ends up in an interception, like Week One against first, Miami. So first drive of the season ends on a pick in the end zone because of Parker. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually curious, Sean. Um, do you think the Patriots are going to try and deploy their running backs similar to how the Cowboys did? I know that Tony Pollard had a massive day receiving. So do you think maybe they use Harris as their bruiser guy and a guy like Zeke, and then it's a lot of open space for Ramondre, or do you think they're going to stick to what they have been doing? I think that, I mean, honestly, I feel like the Patriots can almost do whatever they want because the the real, the bigger thing is, I think, that left guard, center, right guard, like what's going to happen with all of our double teams. So I do think, you know, you probably maybe want the guy with a little bit more juice in there, but really, really comes down to can you hold those double teams pretty well can you, you know, force the Vikings linebackers to have to get their hands off of an offensive lineman? And it, I'm sure, 
that the Patriots are, are really just going to run the ball a lot. Like, I, and I think they should specifically seeing what Pollard did. Now I'm not sure how I would compare Pollard's running style to the two guys for the Patriots, but I mean, I like the vision and the footwork from the guys on the Patriots for both of them. I think that they're high quality runners and it seems like that the, they do, you know, they, I think they're one, like about one third gap runs specifically, you know, when they're running duo, that's been a problem all day for the Vikings. Vikings love to play light boxes. So now you asked a really simple question that I'm not giving an answer, but it really comes down to the Vikings playing those light boxes. And if I'm on the Patriots side, I'm not like a big established the run guy, but you know, getting those heavier sets, I think you can push the Vikings around a little bit specifically since they've been a little bit beat up on the inside. Yeah. And I think, I think Damian Harris looks really good against the Jets. I thought he had came out with a lot of juice, and I think he could have a big impact on this game with those heavier sets, with the two tight ends in there and getting downhill. Uh, and overall, I think the running backs—they're this offense moving forward. I don't—I think Mac was better, but I still don't know if they're going to let him throw the ball down the field or if he's going to be a lot like have the time to throw the ball down the field. So it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a lot of those running backs, and maybe it's not used the same way as the Cowboys backs are deployed. Um, but I think it's gonna be just as heavy as a uh, touches wise share. I don't know if the Patriots have a running back who has that same like fluidity that Tony Pollard brings. He's such a smooth athlete, but Ramondre I think is just as explosive, just in a different way. It's a shame that 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 catch and run that he had to pick up that first down on third and long on Sunday ended up being completely negated by penalties and a missed field goal. Cause that was, that's one of the best plays I've seen a Patriot make all season. He's fantastic. I think he's going to have opportunities. Uh, we'll just, we'll see how that develops. The Patriots are one of the worst teams in football at running on early downs. So that, I think you just got to find ways to change that Thursday night. Yeah, I think that a key to that is maybe they come out and they throw the ball early. Maybe they they use the pass to set up the run because the run's so expected right now. I mean, every first down, it feels like it's going to be a run, and it's going to go for and two if, yards. And if they throw it on first down and it's incomplete, you're 100% getting a run on second down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it'll be key, even if they're just uh, dinks and dumps to get a couple yards, I think establishing uh, somewhat of a passing game early could be a big key against the Vikings D that can struggle with things like that. Yeah. I think it's it's so frustrating to have to say, which might be the right thing, right? That like the running backs, like the offense goes as the running back goes, because that obviously is going to limit your ceiling. And I don't know if you guys have an opinion on it, but like, I really think that every offense, you know, the quarterback is the offense, right? Obviously, receivers, I think, play a big deal. But I don't know if you can see more of Mac Jones doing stuff where he's, you know, more comfortable. Obviously, I think they have a higher shotgun percentage than I'm used to seeing. But just like heavy, heavy RPO and really being in that kind of game manager style. I don't know. I just, I just get a little bummed out seeing the Patriots and all their under center runs. But unfortunately, I think for the Vikings, they're also not going to want to see those because I think they're going to be able to get yards. So I don't know if you guys have an opinion on kind of getting Mac Jones just more in kind of like an Alabama style uh, of offense. I I think the whole offense is in a tough situation right now. Like you said before, like if the line, the line can't block a lot of the other stuff doesn't matter. And I, I've said this a couple times now, I think probably the biggest area of concern to me outside of the line, not like blocking well is their inability to execute screen passes. 
We saw a couple of them actually work on Sunday, and I thought that was huge. But it means that if you can't execute a screen, you don't have any easy button when there's pressure coming at you. You don't have anything that can slow down the pass rush. The, the draws have not worked at all recently either when they try to just hand it off that way. And there's nothing that they have that will slow down the rush. So then you're left to just having to block it. Uh, and it doesn't really seem to matter where they're putting Mac or where they're putting the receivers. They're not they're not blocking this stuff. And if you go short game 100% of the time, you are going to get picked off at some point. You're going to struggle to move the ball. You have to at least try the intermediate and deep stuff. Otherwise, your offense is going to look like the Jets offense did on Sunday. I think that they can go – I think they can get some intermediate stuff. Uh, especially with the Vikings rolling out backup cornerbacks. Uh, obviously, I'd assume Patrick Peterson draws the Jacoby Myers assignment. Uh, but, like, guys like – there's no reason a guy like Kendrick Bourne or Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, there's no reason that they can't have production against second and third string players if Mac has the time to get the ball to him. Um, so I think that could be a thing. And I'm glad you mentioned the screen passes because it feels like when we had McDaniels, it was like, oh, another screen pass, another screen pass. And now when we get a successful screen pass, it's like, nice, a screen pass worked. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's so crazy. It's like two totally different things. Uh, and who would have thought that we were like, we want more screen passes in this offense. And obviously the line needs to execute for those to work, but we kind of took them for granted. Yeah, I I decided on that. I did find it really, really funny to flip over to Raiders games early in the season and immediately see some of the same draw and screen calls that Patriots fans have been complaining about for the last decade here. Uh, You could tell those were a Josh McDaniels thing, but they are important. And you lose not just the head coach, but the offensive line coach. And I don't think it's a surprise there that they were having issues executing it, but I also think it shows how important that is you can't create the chunk plays any other way. That's the kind of default way to create them. And this offense just doesn't have it right now. They, they did have one nice screen pass to Jacoby Myers. They had one to Ramondre, I think, at different points on Sunday. And I think both of those drives ended, or they obviously couldn't both have ended in points because they only had one that ended in points. I think both of them ended in field goal attempts, which you'll take. Yeah, I think the screen game is, that was the thing that, not popped out in such a positive, but that it was so prevalent. Like, it seems like very clear that they have probably screen period in practice, which I'm sure most teams do. But, you know, the Bills are, not the, Bills, the Vikings have had kind of ups and downs against the screen. So I'm sure that there's going to be a screen package. Uh, I think it's, you know, obviously a good way to kind of slow up the rush, but, you know, force cornerbacks to tackle, see if, you know, it seems like the Patriots have receivers who I think can get a body on the Vikings defensive backs and, you know, I know the Vikings love it too, right? It's ways to kind of make the game easier for your quarterback, but obviously the hope is that you don't have to make the game as easy for Kirk Cousins as the kind of Patriots may have to do for Mac Jones. But since the Patriots love man coverage so much, you know, could be something that the Vikings kind of dig into even further as well. Yeah, I agree there. And I think the Patriots defense at times this season has struggled with misdirection too, which is where some of the screens can also play into it. And that's... The issues have been QB runs, um, whatever it was that the Packers were doing so well when they were running the ball, which is a couple of variety of things there, and just misdirection that kind of stems off of those first two. And it's just guys in space. I think the defense is better against guys in space than it was at this point last year, which is a good thing. I think, honestly, the guys that help that are 
it's been Mac Wilson, Jabril Peppers, and Kyle Duggar as kind of those versatile athletes who can help tackle guys. I think that's been I think Jabril Peppers is playing probably the best football of his career right now, which has been a huge part of the defense playing well. Yeah, and the crazy thing is he played 14 snaps and you're saying like you're he played 14 snaps yesterday on defense and you noticed the impact he had just because he's so good around the line of scrimmage and he's so athletic. Uh, and I thought, obviously I wasn't on yesterday, but I thought Mac Wilson had a bit of a better game after he said some critiques by the Patriots fans. And it feels like Duggar, he really is the guy that's always there. He came up huge on that. The Jets threw that flat route to uh, Michael Carter and he blew it up and that led to the big punt return. And it feels like he does that at least once a game every week. Like he just sniffs yeah. something out and it blows yeah. it up completely. Yeah, Sean, I don't know how much Patriots film you've watched already, but uh, if you want to have a good time, go back to the Lions game and just watch Kyle Duggar. Uh, just sit back and enjoy it. You're going to have fun doing it. He had he had one play in there where the Lions tried to run a, a little screen, a receiver screen out to the side, and he went right through two Lions receivers and made the tackle for a loss. I It's got to be uh, so interesting in those defensive rooms because – the way that the Patriots use their kind of like quote defensive backs, but they're so versatile, which is so good. You know, like Jabril, obviously New Jersey native shadow, New Jersey is a great example, but like, I know by SIS tracking, like they're heavier on more defensive backs, but that doesn't really kind of tell the whole picture. Cause you know, Jabril, obviously, you know, maybe count him as a safety, but I think he obviously has the skills to really like make those physical plays. And then I know you mentioned Duggar earlier, and man, like, is he going to just Hawkinson erase? Like, <laughs> as you said, for kind of the second week in a row. And now I feel like this talk is getting me just more pessimistic on the on the Vikings <laughs> chances. Oh, except for when we talk, I think about the kind of Patriots offense that I don't want it to just be a day of, well, who, which offense makes the mistake first? Like, who's going to kind of break that first? Uh, particularly because the Vikings defense is not the Jets defense. And I don't think they they don't pretend to be. So, yeah, again, hopefully we get more points than that. But. Man, the Patriots secondary and defensive back room as a whole would be a real fun meeting, I think, uh, to sit in on for sure. I want to know what the secret sauce is that allows them to find so many of these corners and also why they aren't giving that secret sauce to the guys they draft in the second round for so long. Uh, the number of second round busts they've had come out and then they find guys. I, I feel like getting Jack and Marcus Jones in the same draft here made up and Kyle Duggar also as a defensive back in the second round made up for a lot of uh, a lot of the the Duke Dawson's and Razai Dowling's and Cyrus Jones's of the the decade previous. I mean, yeah, those guys have had such a big impact and even a couple guys that they've brought in from outside the draft. I mean, Jalen Mills has been really good this year and just super like, solid. And he's a versatile, he's a physical corner who can tackle and he's been impressive. And even the past couple of weeks, Miles Bryant has shown up and played some decent football. I know you were playing Zach Wilson and Sam Ellinger, but he still played decent in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I think one of the things that's so interesting about the Patriots defensive back room too, when you kind of step back and look at it is you got obviously Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, Kyle Duggar, but then, Jalen Mills is a guy who was a hybrid corner safety when he was at in Philly. He'd play both. Miles Bryant was a hybrid corner safety in college. Jonathan Jones is a guy who they've actually played at safety at points when they do disguise stuff. They want to use Devin McCourty in certain ways. They've played him back there. They did that more last year than this year now that he's playing on the outside. But they got like 
seven guys in that defensive back room who all have experience at safety. And I think, think that makes a difference when it comes to the tackling of the guys in that group and just the overall athleticism of them and just understanding of the whole defensive picture. Yeah, I think like Bill Belichick is, we are, I always think about him, like he's obviously a step ahead of the game and in some way. And so maybe that tells us something about kind of where the league is going, right? That he, it does, yeah, seem like maybe he's looking at, you know, those former safety type bodies specifically to kind of fit the run in different ways so they can play kind of light boxes, but also have, you know, obviously guys with cover skills that are maybe a little lighter, but then can come downhill and kind of thump the run. And I think that the Vikings, sometimes they, they're encouraged to run and not that they fall for a trap or anything, but they will run at a light box, right? They have a high light box run rate. So it, it's something where, I don't know, if Belichick really wants to see Dalvin Cook kind of carry the rock all day, he can kind of deploy those personnels that, again, encourage the Vikings to do just that and run the ball. Well, and that's what, that's what made Bill, Bill, like that guy in the first place, to go back to the Super Bowl against the Giants and him daring the Bills to run in it. Got that, that playbook in the Hall of Fame there. He's not not afraid to dare you to run. I almost feel like it'll be the opposite here. You, you, I think you'd rather have Kirk Cousins throwing the ball than Dalvin Cook running it. But you also do not want to get Justin Jefferson more involved in the game than you have to. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, right? It's If I was to, yeah, like the, stop the best, right, and then live with the rest. And to me, the best is obviously Jefferson. Uh, you know, they love inbreakers, kind of outbreakers off play action. So have to deal with that in some sort of way and dealing with the rest. If you're just dealing with the Vikings run game, I think that the run game in general, it's, it's so many moving parts that kind of, if you have one, one out of 11, just have not, not do the wrong assignment, but where the defense kind of wins that or kind of creates a stalemate. It's just so hard to kind of consistently create explosives in the run game. So yeah, my guess is that Bill's going to go ahead and do what he can to stop Jefferson. And, and I think he should, he should live with uh, Dalvin cook kind of, if he gets that 20 carries, but he's only kind of averaging in that two and a half, three, three and a half uh, yard range. Yeah. And I think if he thinks that Duggar can erase Hawkinson again, then Jefferson is going to see a double for sure. Like, I don't even think that would even be a debate if he's confident in uh, the Hawkinson coverage. Now, obviously Dalvin cook, Alexander Madison, they can both catch passes out of the backfield too. So that's another thing that they're going to have to account for. Uh, KJ Osborne in the slot. He's another guy that who knows what, what does he have a good game? It feels like he has a good game every couple games. So is he going to come out and he's going to be the guy that torches the Patriots secondary? You don't really know, but if you think you can stand up one-on-one coverage with everybody, then they're going to put two on Jefferson and they're going to force them to run the ball and just put defensive backs on the field. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the, like, that's what I would do, but again, my concern if you do that, I think the area where you get beat if you're the Patriots defense there and you can't get pressure is probably Adam Thielen. Because if it's Adam Thielen against Jalen Mills out there, Thielen is just a more technically sound player than Mills is for as good as Mills has been. So I think you might get beat a little bit there. Unless they throw Jack Jones out there. That could be fun. Jack Jones, I mean, you combine Kirk Cousins in primetime with Jack Jones being a ball hawk, and it feels like he might be destined for at least one Thursday night. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely could be. And I agree with the point of you want Kirk to throw the ball because even if Kirk's playing a really good game, I still feel like he's going to give you a chance to pick him off. He's going to make a mistake at some point in there. And Jack Jones might be the guy that's on the field a lot and they might say, hey, go get one. Uh, And it might not be something that they do in the first half, but maybe 
they make a halftime adjustment or something. They're like, they don't like the way the game's going. They're like, go jump a route, and then who knows what you'll see. Yeah, yeah and I think I mean, jumping routes is interesting in that the – I mean, not it's not that every offense runs 9 million route combinations, but, like, the Vikings do what the Vikings do, right? Like, it's not that they're wholly predictable, but I think that – you know, when Jefferson's in a stack, like they usually run some sort of combination, right? In the bunch, they have their kind of bunch bunch playlist, but they're still kind of doing similar things, especially now with kind of Hawkinson either kind of getting, getting quick down the vertical to kind of clear out space or on an inbreaker. So, I mean, jumping around is something I think that, that makes me stressed out hearing about because I think it's something that the Patriots definitely could do on Thursday. Just being aggressive, you know, force Cousins to kind of get thrown into those tight windows. And then, well, if we knock off Jefferson... And we put Duggar on on Hawkinson. I mean, I, I, as a Patriots fan, I'm fine if Adam Thielen somehow gets like 250 yards. Like I, I think he's you know a Vikings kind of Ring of Honor guy. He's had a bum ankle for a lot of the season. He's still making plays, but man, New England's going to be I think fine if they're if Minnesota has to get to their third read kind of on those third downs or really dig deep into the bag and scheme up. Well, how do we beat man coverage this time after seeing it kind of five or six times and on the first uh, early on for the Vikings versus the Cowboys, they had a nice kind of wheel route to TJ Hawkinson and, you know, whatever throw catch that doesn't end up in a touchdown. And so I love that the Patriots kind of force you into, like you got to hit on your place, right? Like if the ball is kind of touching receivers hands, like it has to be caught. And unfortunately I think the Vikings have times where they're just not executing kind of all 11 guys at the same time, where if that happens against the Patriots, I think, not as long of a day versus the Cowboys, but you know, <laughs> not the best one to look forward to. Yeah. When I the more we talk about these matchups, the more I like the way both defenses match up. Like, I feel like we're talking ourselves into that. I think the other thing that probably assists in that is that this is a short week, so there's not a lot of time. Like both of these offenses just had not so great weeks, and they don't really have a lot of time in the meetings or on the practice field to work through these issues. They're probably going to have to come out with somewhat similar game plans to what they threw out there on Sunday, and they're going to have to make they're going to have to make things work with something they're familiar with. And if that's the case, I think that does give an edge to both these defenses here. Yeah, it definitely could. And I mean, don't be surprised if Justin Jefferson just destroys a double team like that's that's entirely possible that he just blows up any sort of game plan um but i do think the defenses obviously can control this game um and that means the special teams units are going to have to come into play and after watching the patriots after watching the patriots special team unit not just returning kicks and obviously it was just one big kick return i thought the punt unit looked really good with michael perlardi opposed to Jay Bailey. I don't know if they had added juice or something with that. Um, but I think if they can win the special teams battle and hold up on defense, even if the offense has a struggling day, the Patriots are going to be in the game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a Bill Belichick coach team too, in general. I think with the exception of some games earlier this year, you can always count on the special teams for a Patriots team to play, to play well and to make some stuff happen. That's why they drafted Marcus Jones where they did. Um, what is Sean? This is the one aspect we haven't talked about. What is the special team situation for the Vikings? Is there anything really conversation worthy there? Have they been particularly good or bad? Well, one thing that's really important is if you ever watch, you know, Vikings press conference with Matt Daniels, the special teams coordinator, he just has like, like he has nicknames for every single player, which I think that's like, I love like thinking about kind of coaching days where you just like have nicknames for players. 
Uh, I, I do think that they're sound on special teams. Uh, they've had, I think, the first few weeks of the season, they were like very, very plus on special teams, where the last few weeks they've had a missed tackle on punt return kind of here and there. So I don't expect to see a punt return touchdown, but I would maybe lean a little bit towards the Patriots in the special teams battle, knowing that the Vikings are good, right? Unfortunately, the kicking situation sometimes gets a little foggy where, you know, in Madden, once I play as a Raven, so once I cross like the 50 yard line, I know we're, we can get a field goal, obviously going forward and forward down anyway, but. I think the Vikings have some of that kind of long field goal issues. And in a game where I would expect it to be tight and expect it to be late, I think you, I'm so glad you guys mentioned special teams as something that can be a game changer kind of positively or negatively. Again, if you're missing those field goals when, you know, you're hoping to kind of get points on the board. So I would, I would put the Vikings kind of at a, at a B plus special teams where they have kind of high potential, but last few weeks, I think have been just a little rocky here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's like the department that is kind of, if they both have good units, it could decide the game. Whatever one plays better really could if we see these offenses struggle. And it might not even be necessarily big returns, but it could be a muffed punt. It could be just field position. I mean, I feel like I haven't seen Jake Bailey put a ball inside the 10. I know he has, but it feels like he hasn't. And then to see Polardi do that in just the first week where – they're asking him to do a lot in the crazy wind conditions. I'm just, I have some confidence moving forward, uh, especially just on the punt team. Yeah. And I think, Hey, if we're talking about the defense being good here and offenses having issues, field position can be a huge factor in that's the case. Your the ability, your field goal unit to convert opportunities becomes huge then. And your field goal block unit, if you can block a kick in a game like this, three points might be the difference maker. Like it's, it's one of those games. Do we, do we have an over-under on this one? I'm curious. I don't know if you guys are. I'm pretty sure the Vikings are favored by two and a half or three points. I think they're three points. Yeah, I think I think it looks like 41 and a half is the over-under right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah 41 and a half. Under, and I think it was, it, at one point, it was under 40 for the Pats-Jets game. I don't know what it finished at. <laughs> This is it was uh, it was like, thirty eight. Yeah, this is gonna be some nice like Big Ten football on Thursday night. Like, oh no! This is gonna, this is gonna, this is like an <laughs> Iowa, an Iowa Minnesota game, and at least hey, at least it's in a dome and not up in the cold. Because then I think things could get really ugly. That's come on, because I was at the Iowa, um, I, forget, I think South Dakota State game where they had like. Oh my God, so many punts, but like all of them within the the ten yard line. Like I look, <laughs> I do love good special teams, but come on, like please give us kind of something outside of that. But thinking about like the top units in this game, right? I think Patriots defense is far and above the number one unit. So obviously the game isn't as simple as well. The best unit on the on the field in total of the six, or obviously more than that, kind of kickoff included units is going to win the game, but. I don't know. I mean, that's where I feel like my kind of money lean would be. Not not giving anyone gamble advice, but you know, Vikings at minus three off that, obviously on a short week. You know, it I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm real I'm really nervous. I hope that I've expressed that enough throughout this. Just my general <laughs> nervousness uh as I'm watching the Vikings against the Patriots for sure. I just I just pulled up, I was looking through the Patriots history on Thursday night games. Uh, in-season Thursday night games will take out the openers under Bill. They've only lost three of them. One of them was on Thanksgiving in 2000. Another one was uh, in 2008, an overtime game with Matt Castle. The only other game that they've lost on Thursday night was two years ago 
um, against the Rams, where the offense just didn't show. They they played back to back games in L.A. that year. Don't remind they beat me the of that Chargers game. Forty five nothing, and then Thursday night they lost twenty four to three. It just it was a complete domination too. That was I remember that game too because that was the one where the the Rams came out wearing like their khaki pants with the blue jerseys, and it felt like we were playing Best Buy in football and the Best Buy employees managed to shut down our entire offense. <laughs> that was the uh, that was the game Miles Bryant had an interception. And it's just like he got called up for the practice squad and picked the ball off in the first quarter. And I was like, yeah, this guy's going to be a gamer. <laughs> Didn't Nikhil Harry have a nice play in that game too? I think he might yeah, have. Or then, maybe I'm thinking and then of I, the other LA game. And then Newton threw a bunch of picks, and it was ugly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean – it was Aaron Donald uh, kind of wrecking yeah. that one. That was that was that was the big story there. Um, so yeah, I think we can make some prediction. I think it's prediction time on this game. I know I, Sean, does this mean you're leaning towards the Patriots? Uh, in in like the most like unfortunate because I really do think I'm an optimistic person. Like I I'm not gonna pretend I've been a Vikings fan my whole entire life. Like I I do like watching the Vikings win games, but. I think it's yeah, extremely sloppy. I think that the the Patriots are gonna find a way to you know cover three points just based on the Vikings' offense against the Patriots' defense. And while I'm not gonna pretend to be a huge believer in the Patriots' offense, I think that I could see Mac just dunking, dink, dink and dunking his way to you know a field goal here, a field goal there. And if you know if Bill's got it all drawn up, it's gonna be a long day for the Vikings. So in a, in a pessimistic turn, I am gonna you know predict a low scoring affair. I'm not I'm not gonna predict you know like six to three or anything. It might be like, um, I don't know, like, like 17, 14. But like I was saying, you know, that the couch on Thursday night might, might look like a, a, a crisp one to spend some time. And I, I do think the Patriots are going to win. Uh, and I'm not sure how much of that is just based on me just watching the Vikings get beat down 40 to three. Uh, but I think there's a lot of schematic things where the Patriots are going to be able to take advantage uh, of the Vikings, particularly when the Vikings are on offense. Uh, and even with Justin Jefferson, I think it could be, you know, a long day for Minnesota for sure. Barrett, where where are you going with this one? My gut tells me nineteen seventeen Pats, and we score Ooh. one touchdown. <laughs> a lot of field goals, four field goals. We score one touchdown. I think it's going to be a close game. It stays under the forty-one. Vegas always knows, so something's up. I think forty-one is probably the lowest total all season for a Vikings game. Obviously, they're playing a bad offense and coming off a bad offensive week, but I do think it's going to be low scoring. Um, I don't see the Patriots. They've struggled to get in the end zone all year, so I think it could be one of those Nick Folk uh, field goal games, and he's in a dome, won't have to deal with the win. I think he bounces back nice. And I think you see the Vikings score two touchdowns in this game and put a scare into the Patriots, and it could it, it could be very well a game that comes right down to the wire. Uh, but I lean Patriots just because – uh, I believe in their defense, their special teams, uh, and just their discipline overall as a roster, I think, could come into play. Uh, and I just think they have a slight edge in this game. Uh, it's funny you predicted that score there, Barrett, because the Patriots actually had a Thursday night game back in 2017. It was 19-14, to 14, not 19-17 to 17 against Tampa with four field goals and a touchdown in that win. And you want to know who Tampa's kicker was for that game? Nick, Nick Falk, Falk, right? Yeah, didn't he miss like yeah. five? Didn't he miss a bunch of field goals that game? Oh boy, let me let me scroll down the stats here and see <laughs> on that one. Um, 
Yeah, he missed three field goals. <laughs> he's gonna a, have a bounce great. back week. Bounce back week yeah, this week. I will Big say the best back. kicker, the best kicker in the NFL is whoever's playing against the Vikings for sure. Just <laughs> always find a way to make the field goal. It's I think it was uh I think it was there was like two sixty yard attempts where one got kind of not called back, but they had to review yeah, the play what? and then yeah. It was like it was a throw How on the sidelines you- receipt was yeah, kind of toe tapping and then Ball, you know, bobbled, not bobbled. You're, you, you let me know, but nailed the field goal. I guess there was a timeout or something previously that gave him just enough time. But you know, again, there was not a doubt in the world that if you're kicking against the Cowboys or against the Vikings, you know, except for that double doink earlier in the year, balls, balls looking like it's gonna be going in for you. Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Then I feel like I feel like I can't. We can't all pick the Patriots in this one, so. I'm going to pick the Vikings here just because, well, I think the Patriots have the best unit. I think the Vikings have the best player in Justin Jefferson that's going to be on that field. And I, after seeing what he did to the Bills, I don't know. Like, Jonathan Jones is a good corner, and I think he can hang tough. I don't – like, Justin Jefferson was mossing guys out there. I don't think the Patriots have a corner that can really hold up against that. And even double coverage isn't enough with Justin Jefferson a lot of the time. If the game ends up being as low scoring as we think it is, then one Justin Jefferson play could be the difference here. And since he's the best player, I'll go that way. It, it should be close. It's, this probably comes down to three or four plays, whether it be turnovers, touchdowns, special teams, something like that. That's a good point. And I think it's, it is really, really hard in the NFL, the way the rules are, the way just how everything favors offense. It's really hard to shut down a team. Like it is like even if you're playing against a you know struggling offense or maybe not struggling but just what I would call a lesser offense than the Vikings and the Jets like that is really hard to do and that means it's really hard to do week after week. So as much as my you know Vikings pessimism, there's absolutely a path for the Vikings you know to like consistently score points against the Patriots. There's just the Vikings I think sometimes make it hard on themselves. So you know there's, there's got there is a path to victory. You know a lot of that will come through Justin Jefferson and you know if we can protect you know third downs are they can be volatile and if you're finding that kind of you know like nine for 12 on third down especially the Vikings are going to find themselves in third down they're gonna I think they can find themselves uh, on the way to a victory for sure Uh, I I think it gets tough go ahead Barrett there's a chance the Vikings come in to this game and blow out the Patriots I mean we've seen you thought the Patriots are going to blow out the Bears and then they had a stinker (laughs) and they they got blown out this this is a chance that that happens. Uh, the Vikings have some really good playmakers, and if they come up with a good scheme and figure it all out, um, they could be angry after just getting embarrassed on that 425 everyone was watching game, and they could come out and dominate. But short week, I just I think it's going to be a close game, and I think the defenses, like we've talked about all episode, uh, they're gonna they're gonna show up. Yeah. I think we're I think we're all in agreement there, which means we're probably due for a I don't know thirty eight thirty five high scoring thriller. We'll see yeah, six Mac touchdowns Jones. each way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Maybe we're due for one of those. But yeah, before we wrap up, it's thing we usually do trivia time on this show, but it's Thanksgiving week, so I'm swapping that out. I want from each of you your favorite Thanksgiving dish and your favorite Thanksgiving dessert. Let's start with right, the, I, the dishes here. I want to start with you, Sean, since you're the guest on this one. So I I want to hijack the question to just get my take. I mean, I, I know a lot of people agree with this. 
turkey is just it's just not good like it's just not it's a dry bird and look i love my mother so much and she, she does a great great job you know like cajun spices you can get all you can make a fried turkey it's just a dry bird and i can't get back behind that but moving off the pessimism i'm a sides guy through and through like i want my plate to just be like i need to triple carb it i want my obviously have to have stuffing have to have mashed potatoes on the plate um and honestly i can kind of ride through the day with with just those two go meatless for the day on the dessert and i am kind of kind of a plain jane and just go apple pie vanilla ice cream i'd love to warm that apple pie just a little bit you know get that vanilla ice cream be a little melty on top and you know you gotta put on your thanksgiving pants get those pjs out early especially for this late kickoff uh for vikings patriots but yeah turkey dry bird <laughs> I, just, I i gotta interject on the the turkey thing because i had this I did, did this on another podcast on uh, yesterday talking about this. I 100% agreed with you until a couple years ago, my dad and I tried smoking a turkey for the first time. Game changer. That, yeah. That, it's, I'm, and it's, I'm intrigued. Yeah. The thing that makes it good too is that it changes the way the turkey interacts with everything else on the plate too. So then the smoked turkey with the gravy, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, it just works together in a different way. It's like it's it's like putting a new quarterback back there that wow that's really intriguing because you know i'm i'm down in texas now and i'm quite a fan of smoked meats and i i wouldn't have thought about that because i wouldn't you know you don't disrespect uh you gotta you gotta make a beef right you gotta smoke the beef but having it as a turkey smoke is really really intriguing and wow you know i need to find someone in my life that's going to do that i have like two people that are like super like into barbecuing so i think i could probably convince them and wow i i, I don't want to have to walk yeah. back to take i I've, I've leaned into it you know made a lifestyle around it but i'm more than happy to be wrong on this one if smoked turkey is just an absolute <laughs> banger for sure i, I put turkey is very plain so the worst case is you get the flavor of the smoke like <laughs> my concern as we as we get to the one hour mark of the podcast is my friend i was talking to her and she was like oh like i just like to drown it in gravy and I'm like, okay, well, you like gravy then. You don't like turkey, right? Because like you could put gravy <laughs> on a piece of paper and eat the gravy, and it would probably taste like gravy, right? So, yeah, Barrett, let me not hijack this any further before I have a conniption <laughs> or grow any more angry at turkeys. <laughs> All right, it's not my favorite, but do you consider mac and cheese a Thanksgiving dish, just out of curiosity? I do. My I brother's do. wife makes makes fantastic okay. mac and cheese. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's I one of my favorites. I found a recipe for smoked mac and cheese, by the way somewhat recently and i i want to do this at some point when i have a smoker myself yeah i was gonna say first someone first. get mad a smoker for uh for christmas <laughs> for sure <laughs> if, if you can't tell that i just moved to the city and i miss having a yard with a smoker back with my dad this is, <laughs> this is getting that all out right now <laughs> i would it's one of my favorites but my favorite's definitely mashed potatoes and gravy uh and then my favorite dessert is pumpkin pie Ooh, pumpkin pie pumpkin straight Straight pumpkin pie, nothing with it. No whipped cream, nothing. Nope, just straight pumpkin pie. That's for you, is it like is it like a pumpkin spice all kind of autumn thing for you? No, no, just the pie. I don't, I don't drink uh, like coffee or stuff like that. Yeah, so same. I don't really have pumpkin spice coffee. Um, I like pumpkin muffins, but I actually haven't had one this fall. Mm-hmm. So you got pumpkin. I, usually, usually it's just Thanksgiving. I have my slice of pumpkin pie, and I'm I'm pretty content. <laughs> 
Like I will, I will gladly turkey shame. I'm not gonna pie shame though. I, you know, I want no. multiple pies for everyone. My dad loves pecan pie, but I'm not gonna pretend yeah. like pumpkin pie is my favorite. But I can, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that one go through for sure. As the guest on the <laughs> having podcast, pie is, <laughs> having pie is better than having no pie. Not all of them. <laughs> yes, hundred yeah. percent. A good crust. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the crust on you know a good, a good strong pie. So, Barrett, I hope yeah. you. I hope you really load up on the pumpkin pies on Thursday. I hope we stay awake through the game as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go for mine. I think I'm. I'm just gonna go with stuffing. I'm. I'm basic here. Just a good Thanksgiving stuffing is so good, with, with just a little bit of gravy on it. It's. I. I love that. I could eat that year round. Um, and then for the for the pie, I'm gonna go apple pie. I. I. I like pumpkin pie, but apple pie has just always been my thing. Uh, I actually discovered an ice cream place that was local where i live back home that started doing apple pie for thanksgiving and you'd get a cup with a warm slice of apple pie in it and then cinnamon soft serve ice cream on top that would then melt down into the pie yeah it's every bit as good as it sounds i'm glad we got very creative with our thanksgiving dishes you know i'm privileged enough to have a great thanksgiving and i'm keep it keep with the classics right keep with the classics absolutely absolutely this game's gonna be what does it start 8 15 thanksgiving night or is it 8 30 8 15 some of us are on central standard time so not 7 15 (laughs) you're you're on a patriots podcast here this is you don't recognize (laughs) the time zones uh, that'll be 8.15 on NBC. That'll be the Sunday night football presentation on Thursday night for Thanksgiving, the way they always do that. So, uh, yeah, make sure to catch that. I think we're going to have a show after the game. I think that's the plan. So you'll be able to catch some sort of post-game here. If we don't do something Thursday night, there'll be something on Friday. I'm sure we'll have content up. Uh, Sean, thanks for coming on. Tell the people where they can find your stuff. Guys, I promise, you know, not too many strong Thanksgiving takes or turkey, negative turkey takes on my Twitter feed, but just follow me. It's at Syed Schemes, S-Y-E-D, and then Schemes. I'm writing for the Daily Norseman, which is SB Nation's Vikings outlet this year. But just, you know, doing video breakdowns of kind of big plays across the league. I love football so much. So, you know, I hope you just just join along, you know, shoot a DM if you have a question or help me learn something. Uh, we can kind of talk through things together. Yeah, he does great. So I've actually had Twitter notifications turned on for him for like a year and a half now, just because I love all the film breakdowns. I always like to click into it. I saw the Damian Harris one pop up earlier, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he's getting into the Patriots <laughs> film now." That's a lot. There's a lot of notifications. I feel I feel sorry for. I, I would never be offended by anyone that wants to mute. You know, you always check in on Mondays <laughs> and when the film comes out. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's got great content there. Obviously, you know we're Pat's Pulp, but if you're not following us already, I don't. I, you should be changing that. You should be following us right now. We're going to have content after this game, so make sure you stay tuned. Sean, thanks for coming. Barrett, you're always here, but thanks for joining me. I'm Matt St. Jean, and we will, uh, we'll see you next time.